Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Today, we're ending up our series that was entitled, or that is entitled, The Five Things That God Wants Us to Increase. The Five Things That God Wants Us to Increase In. We went over, the first one was our intimacy with him. The second was our personal outreach. The third was our willingness to serve in needed areas. The fourth one was our desire to give like Jesus. And for most people we found out, which is about 76% of the people in Christendom all over the world, all over the United States, uh, definitely, uh, they don't, so we need a hard change. So we talked about that. And then last week, we went over the fifth one. The first part of that message was our unity. So last Sunday, we talked why we should uh, have unity. This is a why-to message. This Sunday, it is a how-to message. How do we walk in unity? We said that it is very, very difficult to walk in unity if you have more than one person. It's very hard, very hard. And so that means that if you are married, if you are not married but you have a family that you live with, like your mother, father, your aunt, or whoever, or you might have roommates uh, if you're in a dorm. Regardless, if there's more than one person, if there's more than you, it's difficult to walk in unity because God made us so different. And we all have different gifts. We all have different personalities. We all have different uh, backgrounds. And we grew up with different ways. And it's just different. So therefore... How do you walk in unity? And so today, we're going to give you three things. Now, we could give you more, but I want to keep it to three things that I want you to to remember. The first thing is that we must know that God is the God of unity and that Satan is a spirit of disunity. The second thing is we need to obey the word of God regardless of how hard it is and just leave the consequences to him. The third thing is we need to walk in forgiveness. So those are the three things that I want to cover. We said unity is oneness. Unity is having parts like parts of the body, that fit together. And so we are one person. I'm one person, even though I have many parts. You're one person, even though you have many parts. Uh, To your body, you have one body. You don't have multiple bodies. You have one body. Body. And that's what God wants us to do. Uh, If it's two people, three people, ten people, how many of it is, uh, the parts are supposed to fit together so that 
you still have that oneness. Unity is also a harmony. Unity is agreement. Unity is peace. And those are the things we covered last week. Now, this unity is just the opposite. You don't have unity. You have conflict. You have divisions. You have uh, friction. You have strife. And so that's the review of the definition. Now let's jump right into the, the first one, the first of the three things. We must know that God is a God of unity. We must know that Satan is a spirit of disunity. We need to know that. If you don't know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, You'll be deceived, and you will think that you're in unity when you're not in unity. And it's no way you're going to walk in unity if you're over on Satan's part of the the camp. Satan cannot, under any circumstances, be in unity with God. Because we define what I meant by unity last week when we said that we're not talking about unity with each other. You know, gangs can do that. Uh, anybody can do that. You don't have to be saved to do that, to help be, be in unity. You can be in unity that, that uh, you're going to die. You know, and you, you be in unity, you're going to steal some apples off a tree. You can be in unity for a lot of different things that's against God's word. But God's word is our standard of unity. That's what it is. God's word. Without, if, if I'm against God's word, then I'm in disunity with God. We must be in unity with God. So I need to know that anytime I'm in disunity, I am in Satan's territory. And I am doing his will rather than God's will. Because we explained it so clearly last week that God is a God of unity. But you also need to know that Satan is a is a spirit of disunity. Let's look at a scripture in Ephesians 6. Let's look there. In verse 12. Ephesians 6, verse 12. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers against the world forces of this darkness. Now, we know there's no darkness in Jesus Christ. There's no darkness in God at all. No darkness. No shadow of darkness. Nothing. He's all light. God is light. But we're talking about forces of darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness In the heavenly places. That's the devil's camp. Right there. And we have to know that my struggle is not with you. My struggle is not with an employer. My struggle wouldn't be with an employee. My struggle wouldn't be with a supermarket uh, cashier. 
My struggle is not with the people who didn't put out uh, the food, that's nice food, that's got, you know, stuff all on it and not, not really like it should be. My struggle is not, it's no need to get mad with that person. My struggle is not against that person. I'm struggling against Satan and his satanic forces that try to get me upset with somebody that's not really their fault. And even if it were their fault, there's still no, no, no need to get upset with them. Get upset with Satan. Get upset with the devil and start coming against him. That's, he doesn't like that. He wants us to get upset with each other. We can have unity as long as we realize that, that uh-uh, if, if, if I, I start feeling uh, bad about this person, I don't care what, what person it is, or they start feeling bad about me, you have to realize that we are fighting against a satanic force that's trying to get us opposed to each other. Now, you know, you can apply this anywhere. You can apply it on your job. You, you definitely can apply it in a marriage. You can apply, apply this with uh, your children and, and parents. You can apply it in the church. You can apply it because uh, children, teenagers, they are old enough, and usually junior high students are old enough to know that this scripture, your fight is not against your parents. Son, daughter, you don't, don't start coming against your parents. Don't start talking about them. Don't start... Uh, disobeying them, I don't care if you don't like what they did. I don't care if you don't think you, you, you should be doing this, but you should be doing something else. It doesn't matter, son. You obey your parents. You can tell a, you can tell a child that regardless of what the parent did, if the parent not did something, if the parent didn't do something that's against the word of God. You know, we, we said it's a line always drawn where if it's against the word of God, we're going to obey God. That, that, that definitely comes to play in a second area, like a marriage. You can you cannot agree, like I said last week, you, you cannot agree with each other on some things. But don't come out of that bedroom and argue with each other in front of your children. Don't try to get your child against their father or their, set their child against their mother and try to gang up on your mother or your father because that's rebellion, because that's Satan's territory. So regardless of how uh, different you are, and Minerva and I, are, 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 we're totally different in a lot of areas, we know how to agree. We can agree to disagree. There's nothing wrong with that. And we know that on 90% of the things, we're going to agree. Because on 90, 90% of the things that we disagree, we, we would have never gotten married. So you have to know uh, the people that you marry. And that's the same way on your job. That's the same way in the church. You don't go against your boss on your job. You don't go against uh, leadership. And let, let, me, let me say this, uh, you know, again, it's very important for you to realize 
that murder is against God's word. Do we know that? Do you know that life and death is in the power of the tongue? Okay. Do you know that God has told us to submit to our civil authorities? Do you know that he told even slaves to be submitted to their master? You know they had some uh, wicked masters back then. He said submit to them. Why would God tell a person to do that? See, God's kingdom is different from the kingdom of the world. And he knows that you just stay right. I'll take care of you. Don't try to take care of yourself. Because when you try to take care of yourself, what's going to happen is that uh, you're going to cause problems, and I got your back. Don't worry about it. You just do what you've been asked to do by the word of God. So we can apply it on all areas. That's the first thing, the very first thing. Do you really know that, that God is a God of unity? I don't care how much Minerva and I disagree on, on whatever. God is a God of unity. So we're going to come into agreement. We're going to find areas where we can come into agreement. And anybody been married long enough know that. And if you can't come into agreement, that's when things start happening that destroys marriage. But it's happening only because it's not the mate. It's really Satan influencing that mate to come against each other or come against the other one. That's what happens. When I found that out, I said, well, you don't have to worry about me because I'm going, I'm going to submit to the word. That's what I'm going to do. And the word of God is going to be the standard. So when I uh, chose elders of, of the church, uh, well, I didn't choose one because we were both selected together as, as elders. So we had two elders uh, at, at first. And then when one retired, I got a, you know, had to get another one. So we prayed and, and we did all those type of things uh, that's necessary to do. Uh, but I knew that we weren't going to agree on everything. It's impossible. But I also knew that if I select someone who loves the word of God, enough to obey the word of God, then we can make it. We can make it. Because the word of God is a standard. If you love the word of God, if you love God's glory, if you love God enough to say, you know, I'm not going to do anything to hurt God's bride. Because we are God's bride. And he's coming back for a bride, the spotless. And, and I'm not going to be one that's going to mess with God's bride. You don't mess with somebody's bride. Is that right? 
If anybody's married, you, you know, when you're engaged, you don't, you don't mess with them. You don't mess with somebody's wife. You just don't, you just don't do that. And so why would I want to pray to my Lord, my Savior? I want to ask God to help me, and I'm trying to destroy his body. That was already done with a man by the name of Saul. You remember that? You know, God had to deal with him because he was, he was uh, messing with his body, even though uh, the Apostle Paul didn't, didn't believe that. He thought he was doing God a favor, and that's what he thought. That's the first thing. The second thing, we must obey the word of God regardless of how difficult it is. And believe me, it can be difficult to obey the word of God sometimes when it's, uh, it's touching to you. You know, because uh, sometimes uh, things are very precious to you. Many things sometimes. Let's look at it in Titus. Titus chapter 3. And you, you might say, well, I don't understand uh, why you're teaching these things. And I can tell you why. I'll tell you again. God says so. And when God tells you to do something, you do it. And I told you when he gave me these five things, it was long before I came off from the hospital, so I didn't look, wait till I got to in the church and say, oh, this is going on, that's going on, this is not going on, this is not going on. No, this is just a message God gave me. This is for I believe the whole body of Christ, I don't care where the body of Christ is, because it's the word of God. And everybody is going to have to deal with the word of God in their flesh, everybody. And so I need to obey the word of God. You need to obey the word of God. Listen to what it says in Titus 3, um, verse 9 through 11. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. And that was going on in, in the church back then. And it could apply it in anything because you think about what people argue over and dispute over useless stuff. Uh, next week when we receive communion, somebody could say, well, I think we need to use real wine because that's what they used in the Bible. They use wine. We need to use that. Why are we using grape juice in a way? Grape juice is not in the Bible. You know? And <laughs> This, it, he says, 
this is unprofitable and worthless. It's a symbol anyway. And so hide your heart. And so it's many things that, that we could disagree on. In verse 10, it says, reject a fascist person. A fascist person is a person who is divisive, a person who causes friction, a person who can't agree, and they want to keep something going. It says, now you have to reject a person after how many warnings? It says after one and second. That's two. So after a first and a second warning, reject the person. Knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. That's what the scripture says. Now, that's hard to do. Very hard to do because you have feelings for people and you don't want to reject a person. You don't want to do this. So, do I obey the word of God and leave the consequences to Him? Do I say, well, no, I know what God says, but I'm not going to do that because I like the person. What do you think we should do? Obey the word of God, regardless of how hard it is to uh, do that, and leave the consequences to God. And see, when we don't do that, what happens is that we don't get the consequences that God wanted. Let me give you an example of uh, another place in Scripture where it says that um, it's a... It's, uh, it's in, I think, Second Corinthians. You had had a, had a person that in the Corinthians church, the church of Corinth, he was he was having a relationship, an intimate relationship with his father's wife. That makes it his what? Stepmother, right? He was having he had, he was having a relationship with her, and. Paul found out about it, and he says that, I hear that there's fornication among you, and, and y- y'all, think y- y- y'all think y'all are so spiritual, you need to be mourning over this thing. Well, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Put him out. Turn him over to Satan so that his soul will be saved. And that's what he said. Then in chapter, uh, later on, that was chapter 1. Later on in chapter, uh, that was uh, 1 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, later on, he said that uh, this is what I want you to do. You know, the person that you put out, I want you to now take him back in because his sorrow is going to be so much that I don't want him to overly be sorry. So he needs to know that you still care for him and love him. 
See, what happens is the person repented. The person turned, and so he was sorry that he did this thing, and he had turned, and now Paul said, take him back. Take him back. He said, take him back because what I don't want is to give Satan an advantage over us. That's what he said. See, Satan wants you to get in out of sorts with God because God is a God that whatever you do, he will turn right around and bless you. In other words, we read it all the way through Scripture. How many times it Israel sin in the Old Testament. All the time. All the time. Were there consequences? Absolutely. Absolutely. But when he did it, he before ever they received the consequences, he told them that, but I'm going to take you back. He did that all the way through Scripture. Matter of fact, we have a book of the Bible uh, that he told her, the prophet of Mary, a prostitute. You remember that? Then he told the prophet, now go get her. Now, nobody, who would want to go do that after she, you know, when I did her prostitution and stuff and, and, and away from him, he said, go get her. Go get her. Because that's how God is. God is a redeemer. And he wants us to be redeemers also. So that's why in, 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 uh, in, 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 in the Corinthians, the first book of Corinthians, then the second book of Corinthians, he gave us this, this scenario so we'll know that not only was that way in the Old Testament? Is that way also in the New Testament? Is, is both both times? I'm a redeemer. Oh, aren't you aren't you glad that he's a redeemer? Aren't you glad that that man? I made a mistake. Uh, and I, I'm so sorry. God forgive me, forgive me. And you go make restitution to those you have sin against and he, he, he brings you right back into the fold. Isn't that, isn't that great? I'm so glad I have a redeemer. I'm so glad. So the first thing was that we need to know that God is a God of unity. That if there's any disunity, any strife, any uh, stuff going on, friction going on, is from where? Satan. The second thing we need to know is that God is a redeemer and that so regardless of how hard it is to obey the scripture, obey the scripture in a way and then lead the consequences to him. That's what we must do. That's what we must do. Because God is going to uphold his word. If he says he's a redeemer, He's a redeemer. He is a redeemer. The last thing 
The third thing is walk in forgiveness. Walk in forgiveness. Let's look at it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Very important that we are able to forgive one another. If we're going to walk in unity, we have to be able to forgive one another. Because I guarantee you, if you if you say, you know, I really, 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 uh, I'm crazy about the worship team and oh, they're so good. They they oh they they can harmonize and all like that. I guarantee you, if you're here long enough, you'll say, hmm, I, I, I wish we had different songs. I've had so many people through the years, because I've been here 30 some years in this position, 21, and I've heard people say, Oh, I love this church. I love this church. I love that you teach the Word of God. You love the Word of God. You stand for the Word of God, and you're doing the Word of God. Two or three years later, they're gone. Some of us say, Where are they? Or they got upset about something. I guarantee you there's going to be something that's going to rub you the wrong way. It always will if it's more than you in the same place at the same time. Guarantee. Guarantee. So we've got to walk in unity. It says in Matthew 6, 14 to 15, for if you forgive others of their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, this was after the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others uh, the debt, uh, debtors. I'm going to tell you, God is serious about his kingdom rule. His rules say, I'm a forgiver. I want you to be a forgiver. You, 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 do you remember the, the case of the person who was um, owed the master, his master so much money, so many talents that he couldn't possibly play it, pay it. And he fell on his face and say, please forgive me, please forgive me. I'll pay you. I'll pay you. Just give me time. I'll pay you. There's no way he could possibly play the person. No way. And the master did what? Forgave him of a debt he couldn't pay. Then that servant got up and so one of his fellow servants who owed him some insignificant something that he could pay off in probably half a year or something or less. And the fellow got on his face for, please forgive me. I'll pay you all. Just give me time. Have patience with me. Have pity on me. And that servant started choking his fellow servant. Started choking him. 
and had him thrown in prison. So the other servants saw this, and they said, well, I'm going to, let's go tell the master about this. They told the master, and the master called him, called the first son back in and said, didn't I forgive you of a debt that you couldn't pay? Why didn't you now go out and forgive others of their debts? I'm going I'm to I'm I'm turn you over to the tormentors, where it says, until you pay all. He couldn't possibly pay all. And, and then the word says, for this is how the kingdom of heaven works. I said, oh, my goodness. The kingdom of heaven works like this. That means that God has forgiven us of a debt. Everybody in here that's born again, he's forgiven us of a debt that we couldn't pay. Now, if we turn around and won't forgive each other of this insignificant stuff, the color of the carpet. You know, why y'all got this? Look at that thing there. It got spots on. Why did y'all do that? Wait, be quiet and just, you know, say, hey, can I help you do something? Hey, let me, let me, I, I know how to do that. Let me join in and stop criticizing. See, because in Matthew 7, it says, don't judge. For with the same judgments you judge others, you're going to be judged. That's what it says. Why well, look at the speck that's in your brother's eye when you got a beam in your own eye? A beam is a big piece of wood. First go and get the beam out of your eye, then you can see clearly how to get the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, how long do you think it's going to take us to get a beam out of our own eye? All our life. We won't do it. So he's saying again in another way that forgive people. Don't criticize people. Walk in unity. Walk in love. Walk in peace. Because that's how the kingdom of God operates. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. Dividing the son of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and the discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It discerns our attitudes, Lord. Father, I thank you, and we thank you for your word. Help us to be obedient to your word because you said if we love you, keep your commandments. So help us, Lord, because if we could do it on our own, you wouldn't have to tell us. I can't do it, Lord, on my own. I need your help. We need your help. We're asking for your help in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody say Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. 
Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.